Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. He had a powerful work there in Costa Rica. It's a difficult thing to leave a powerful work and, and move on to what God has called you because there's questions in our minds. Is it, is it God? Is it, is it me? Is it, you know, he's asking his wife probably, Carla, you know, what's going on here? But God began to just open doors up in their life, and, and, and through that, God began to mold me. And he asked me that day, he says, would you, pastor, would you take our church? And I said, no. Because my wife had already told me before we went into that meeting, she told me, she says, if he asks you to take the church, you better tell him no. We're not here to pastor his church. We're here to start another church. And I'm like, oh, Lord have mercy. Here we go. And I didn't even want to pastor a church. So here comes the second part of the story is we, we told him no. He was discipling these guys to pastor and to preach. But God tugged in my heart. And one day I called him back up and I said, he said to me, Pastor Blake told me this. And he was a big encourager to me. He said, he said, you're called to preach, and you're running from God. And uh, I told him, you're right. You're right. I am called to preach, and I am running from God. And I said, I'll never pastor a church. He said, watch your mouth. You know, he puts that big finger. You know how he is. He puts that big finger up like this, and he said, watch your mouth. He says, because don't tell God never. And then about two weeks later, two weeks goes by, three weeks goes by. I don't know exactly how much time it was, but I'm telling you, the, the word of God spoke to me as clear as can be. And the second time I ever heard his audible voice, he spoke to me and he said, I want you to take that church. It wasn't just a blessing for them for us to take the church, but it was a start of what God was doing in us. And I'm going to minister this morning a message, and, and I'm going to finish this little story I got, but uh, I'm going I'm to title a message that, that I'm ministering this morning, uh, The Battle is Real. Amen. The battle is real. So, you know, God's calling you to something today, and you, don't, you might not understand or realize what it is, but the battle is real. And the moment that I decided to take this church and to step into that, that arena of faith and let God begin to do what he's going to do in my life is when, I mean, everything just started coming against us. The devil began to rise up. I remember the first service I ever preached in that church. I'm standing there, and while I'm preaching, three or four of Pastor Blake's friends actually got up in the service and walked out and just left the church. And they were like peace signing me out, like, yo, what's up? Hasta luego, you know, like, see you later. But I understood the fact that my Spanish was horrible. I mean, I hadn't even learned Spanish yet. I hadn't even graduated from the institute. I mean, I was still struggling to get my, uh, my yo's and my, my whatever you want to call them up and down. I mean, I was just crazy all over the place. And it was hard to understand me, almost like it is in English, <laughs> amen. But, you know, I, it was everywhere. But God had to do the work. How many know that at that point in time of my life, it was easy for me to give up? It would have been easy for me to call our home church and say, you know what, Pastor, uh, you know, Dad, he's my father-in-law, you know, Daddy, um, you know, this ain't happening here. I can't do this. Matter of fact, I did call him one time. I probably told you the story already, but I'll tell you it again. I said, I cannot pastor a church. I can't speak this language. And he said, oh, you don't think you can, can you? I said, no, I can't do it. He says, can you order a hamburger in the restaurant in Spanish? I said, well, of course I can order a sandwich and a hamburger in Spanish. He said, well, let me hear you say, say it. Say, I, wanna, I want a hamburger. He said, say that. He's telling me it's on the phone. And I'm mad. I'm sitting in that little tiny cubicle office in my house, and I'm just sitting there like this, and I'm thinking, what is this man saying to me? He said, say it. I said, yo quiero una burguesa. 
Of course, back then it was like, Joe Keto Un Hamburguesa. Like the rest of you all people in here try to speak Spanish. He says, can you tell somebody that Jesus loves them in Spanish? I said, well, yes, I can tell them that Jesus loves them. He said, okay, let me hear you say it. I said, no, I'm not going to say it. He said, let me hear you say it. I said, Cristo te llama. He said, you got it. I said, what do you mean I got it? He says, you got it. You can tell someone about Jesus, and you can eat to stay alive. He says, you got it. You, you're going to make it. And my wife is in there. She walked in on me, and she sees me. I'm in tears, and I'm mad. I'm upset. I want to hang up. You ever felt like hanging up on your pastor? I have felt like hanging up on my pastor. Did I do it? No. I'm still here because of that. And I'll tell you what, we got off that phone, I was upset, and I was, there's a lot of things going through my mind. I called him back on the phone. After that was over, about 10 minutes went by, and I called him back, and I said, I got this. I got this. It's amazing what power and prayer can do. It's amazing what, if you just lift up your voice under the God and worship him and thank him for what you're about to go through. You know, many times we wait till we've already been through the victory to start praising God. But let me tell you something. When you open up your mouth uh, and you begin to praise him through the storm, hallelujah, I'm telling you, God does something powerful in your life. Amen? So for me, it didn't matter. If anybody walked out, it didn't matter to me how many people came into the church. Man, I'll tell you one service, a dog came walking down the aisle of the church, and I was praising God. Glory to God. And that dog came down and sat right down in the front row of the church and crawled underneath that front very corner chair and fell asleep during my sermons. Every single service for six months, that dog walked through that door, and you can ask any of my kids, walk straight down the aisle. The first time that dog walked in, the ushers were trying to kick that dog out. I said, no. I said, he's the only living obstacle in this church. Let him come on in. He came all the way down there, and I'm telling you what, I preached to that dog many times, amen? But when the altar, came, altar call came up every single service, that dog knew when it was altar call because he would get up, and he'd turn around and walk all the way out. And I use that dead dog as an example for the rest of my life. That dog just got up and walked right out of that church. He, would, he didn't want nothing to do with God. He just wanted to hear the message and walk right out and go get, get, get the world, whatever it, had, whatever it had for him. I'm done with the story, man. I'm glad to be here. Glory to God. I'm glad that God is doing such a great thing in my life. I'm glad to be a part of this. It's amazing how God has brought us right back to this, amen, right back here to be working with Pastor Blake and serving under them. And uh, I'm excited to see what God has for this whole church. I see a revival in the air, amen? There's something in the air in this place. I can see it. Glory to God. And I'm excited to be a part of it, amen? We're not here to sit down. I mean, we do need a little bit of a, a, a break. We've been through a, quite a bit of trials in the last uh, couple of years. But I'm going to tell you what, we're alive, amen? And uh, we're here and we're ready to serve and, and just be what God needs us to be here, amen? So we love you guys. We thank you for accepting us, whether you like it or not. Hallelujah. Amen. We're here. Amen. And that means the Carlita, my sister. Hallelujah. Amen. Whether you like it or not, I'm here. Hallelujah. God has a sense of humor. Amen. Me and Carla, we have, we have fun together just laughing and, and tormenting each other. Glory to God. But I do respect them. Amen. They are our pastors and uh, we'll do anything for you. We're here to serve. Amen. Glory to God. Um, so builders and battlers, I want to deal, deal with a couple of things this morning. You know, the battle is real. In Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 17... 
We'll put that up here on the scripture, this, on, on the board this morning. If you don't have a Bible, you know, I want to recommend you to bring a Bible to church. Amen? I promise not to preach too long. I know I've told a, a long story this morning to uh, kind of introduce myself to you, but I, I want you to be comfortable with who we are. Amen? We, we are not here to pastor this church. We're here to serve under, under Pastor Blake and Carla and just, just be a part of what God's doing in this place. Amen? We want you to know us, that we have a heart for God, and you'll know that when, once, once you get to know us real well. Amen? Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 17, it says, Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other hand they held a weapon. Doesn't that describe who you and I are today in the things we do for God? I mean, just think about, think about all that goes on in your life and your walk with God. All the trials that you face on a daily basis. Isn't it so true that we need to have a weapon in one hand and a trial in the other? We're, we're, we're working for the kingdom of God. We're building God's kingdom. And all of a sudden the devil comes against us. And we have to be able to defend ourselves when the devil comes against us. See, this is a very powerful miracle that the Bible gives us. It shows us the story. The walls of Jerusalem had, had fallen down. They had been destroyed. And this being the city of God, uh, the many gates burned to the ground. And God, uh, he put into, this, into the heart of this man, uh, man called Nehemiah, to rebuild this city. God speaks to him, puts it down in his heart to say, you know what, there is a hurting generation here, there is a hurting city, there is a hurting people, there is a hurting uh, something going on around you, and I need you to rebuild this city. Anybody in your family struggling with something? Anybody in your neighborhood struggling with something and God puts you in that right place at the right time and you say, well, I'm not equipped. Uh, I don't know how to do this. Let me call my pastor. Let me call one of the leaders in the church. Uh, let me get some help down here. Let me tell you something. God has equipped every single one of us as he did Nehemiah with a trowel in one hand and a weapon in the other. Now, I'm not telling you all to walk around. Someone said, this is Texas. You know, everybody's got a gun in Texas. Listen, I'm not telling you to walk around with a gun or a knife and then the Bible in one hand. I'm telling you to be strong, amen, and be equipped with what God has given you to rebuild your city. Hallelujah. So God put in the heart of this man to rebuild this city, Jerusalem. What should have taken years, literally only took days, 50, 52 days, the Bible says. These men worked uh, in, their, in their, they slept in their work clothes. Uh, these men and women were, were bound to this job. They had to get something done uh, and get it done quick. They were opposed uh, on every single side. The enemy came against them from the left, uh, came from the right. Uh, and I'm telling you something, they were at battle at all times in this particular time. Not to mention they were mocked. Not to mention uh, they, they, there, was, there was threats of violence. There was false prophecies thrown against them. <clears throat> Anybody ever falsely prophesied over you? I was talking to a guy last week in, in Arizona. He was telling me how when he was a kid, someone mentioned all these different things against him. He said right before he got sick, he had a deathly sickness. He didn't know what it was. They, the doctor still don't know what it is. But he told me this woman came to him and started to prophesy into his life. I said, let me tell you something. Don't ever let anybody just walk up to you and pray for you. Don't, don't, and I'm saying this to you. Don't just let anybody walk up to you and pray over you. You know, they'll pull out their anointing oils. You don't know what they're doing. You don't know who they are. It's labor, know those who labor amongst you is what the Bible says. Amen? 
Now, I'm not telling you to be rude. You want to pray a prayer? Hey, let's pray over the food. Glory to God. Lord, bless these heathens that are about to eat, Lord. I like to stand up at a restaurant and say, even the pigs grunt before they eat. Amen. You ever been somewhere and people, even Christians, they're like. Is that really a prayer? No, we got to get fanatical. I mean, if we're going to make a difference in this world, let's make a difference. Amen. So here are these people. They're, they're opposed on every single side. There's things coming against them. And the Bible says in that verse right before in verse 14, it says, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. It says, great and awesome and fight for your brethren. It says, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses, according to the word of God. Amen. So the New Testament is a battlefront. Tons of scripture, tons of, of, of different stories in the Bible in the New Testament where, where the, we're looking at battlefronts. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down the strongholds. This is a powerful thing. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, it says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. How many know when God is building something, the devil cannot come against it? Oh, he'll rise up. He'll come against it. He'll throw his little fiery darts at us, but he will not prevail against it. Amen? Because we have power in the name of Jesus. We have power to... Uh, listen, we, we can walk on those scorpions. We can walk on those serpents. Hallelujah. The Bible says tread over them. Amen? So we have the power. We just have to realize it. We have to understand that God's going to use us to do that. You see, many times we call on the pastor. Many times we call on the leader. We call on somebody to help us out in our situation, but God has already given us the anointing and the power to do so, and we can make that decision on our own. I remember when I went into the ministry, my pastor, he called me up, uh, Pastor Ron Jones, he called me up and he said, uh, he said, let me tell you something. He said, if you get yourself in trouble, he says, I'm only a phone call away, I'll get you out. And you know, that meant so much to me. In the moment, I didn't understand it. I'm thinking, you know, I need God in this time. But you know what? There's, it's good to know that somebody's standing with you to help you get out of your situation. Somebody cares enough about you to reach down and say, hey, I got your hand, brother. Like Pastor Blake did for me when I was preaching. I thought it was, a, a, what do you call it when, a, what's the word I'm looking for when you, uh, my goodness. What, what is it when you, when you come into something new like the youth do every year? When, the kids, when a brand new kid comes in, what do they do? Initiation. When I preached my first Spanish message in Costa Rica, do you remember that, La Campaña, that we had in front of the old church? I was out there preaching. They had a tarp. They built a stage, and they built this tarp over my head. And Pastor Blake says, man, I think it's going to rain. And I said, oh, brother, come on. I remember the message. I remember everything about that night like it was yesterday. I'm standing there preaching, and I'm telling you what, the thunder was just hitting, and it was so strong, and I was scared to death, and I'm already shaking because I'm nervous. And all of a sudden, the rain comes down. And if you've never been in Costa Rica, you don't even know what rain is. I just got to say that, amen? And the rain filled up that tarp. And that tarp began to sink, and it's now it's hitting the top of my head, and it's dropping me down, and now I'm a lowrider all of a sudden. And I'm even walking like a man. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going like this across the stage. And that water broke. That, that thing broke on top of me. And I'm telling you what, my sermon notes, everything that I had was just completely drenched. My Bible was complete. I still have the Bible. It's my souvenir. 
That's what happened to me this morning again. I thought to myself, are these people trying to break me in again? I'm in there, and I'm in there, and I go in there, and I flush the toilet before I go, and the water comes gushing out of that urinal. And I'm telling you something. I didn't even realize it because I was looking over my shoulder looking at stuff, right? And I'm looking, and the water is, I mean, I'm talking all over me. I understand if you don't want to talk to me after church. I get it. But I said, are these people trying to initiate me? What's going on here? And I happened to be in the bathroom all by myself, so I figured, you know, somebody, they, they got the door locked on the outside or something. And then I was so hurried to get out here, I, I left my zipper down, and I'm, I'm, I'm walking around the church looking for help to get help in there. That's right. That's exactly how I felt right there. And I'm thinking to myself, I got to get out there and preach. I'm, I mean, here I am. I'm, I'm a mess. And, and, you know, I'm one of these guys that I really just don't care. I don't care what happens. I mean, I can light my pants on fire and it'd be half gone and I'll still get up here and preach. Because I'm not here for me. Glory to God. Amen. I'm here because God has sent me here. And I'm here because uh, our pastor asked me, my pastor asked me to preach this morning. And glory to God, here I am. And I'm going to preach the gospel. Amen. Wet pants are not. My socks are still soaked. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank God it was just water, amen, half water anyways. Who knows what else is in them toilets, amen. But I will say thank, I will say thank you to those that clean because it was clean, amen. Praise God for that. So back to my message. Amen. I want to take a minute or two just talk about battlers and builders. Are there any battlers and builders in this place today? People that have been through some trials in your life? People that have been through some heartache. You see, one of the most discouraging things in, in life in the church world today is when we see somebody come into church, get fired up, get on, get on fire for God. They get saved. They give their life to Jesus. And then a, a month goes by, maybe two years goes by, maybe five years goes by, and they're no longer in the church. You know, I've been in ministry. Oh, I've been, I've been in, in, a, in a church, in the same church for 40 years, discipled by my pastor. And so I've seen a lot of people come and go. I've, I've been in this church many years visiting, and I've seen a lot of people come and go. And I'm going to be honest with you, I wouldn't have it any other way. This is exactly what I was born in, this type of service, this type of revival where people are just hungry for God, amen? This reminds me of our church when I was a young man growing up in the church and seeing what God was doing in people's lives. There was uh, evidence of healing. God was pouring out his power. People's lives were getting touched and transformed. People were coming to the Lord, drug addicts, alcoholics, amen. Listen, I'm one of all of those. Glory to God. And God saved us and set us free. But you begin to see these things, and, and God uh, is, you know, you see these people give their lives to Jesus, and then all of a sudden they're gone, and, 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 and they, they start to wonder what they did or what, what, what have they done to cause it. But really, it's our pride. Our pride doesn't allow us to come back to what we have left. And so, you know, all, you can find books on, on, on uh, the happier you or God's blessing yours, uh, all these wonderful things all the time, anywhere you go. But it's very difficult to find a book about true holiness or true sacrifice uh, or true loyalty, something that will feed your soul, something that is so real to you. Amen? That's not going to stop God from sending his end time revival upon this city. It's not going to stop God from pouring his end time fire, Holy Ghost filled revival upon his people. See, God wants to do that in us, amen? You know, David Ravenhill, 
his book, For God's Sakes, Grow Up, he says this. To many, he says, many people do not count the cost when they get saved. Luke chapter 12, verse 49 through 53. He says, I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am till it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five in one house will be divided, three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother and mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and, mother, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. It's one division after the next. It's one continued fight, one just after always bickering, always complaining, all these things just happening. Listen to me. He says, I want to send a fire. That means he wants to thrust down this fire upon this nation. Hallelujah. Because there's so much turmoil going on in this world today. The Democrats are fighting the Republicans, and the Republicans are fighting the Republicans, and the devil's fighting the devil, and it's just one thing after the next. He says, I'm about to send a fire. You think that the flood was bad. He said, the fire's coming. I'm going to send a fire, and you could be in the midst of arguing with whoever you want to argue with or dabbling with any sin that you're dabbling with. Don't get quiet on me now. He says, but my fires are coming. And when my fire comes, it's going to come. Hallelujah. And it's coming down. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be strong. And I need men and women to be equipped, ready to work, ready to, to, to fix what the devil has tried to destroy. You see, God wants to use us in a mighty way. He wants to do a great thing in our lives. See, God's not looking for these sentimental enthusiasts. Amen. Or lighthearted believism types of people. He's not looking for this. Listen, uh, he's looking, God is raising up a generation of builders and battlers, uh, men and women who know how to fight and work at the same time. Glory to God. In Mark chapter 8, verse 34 through 38, Jesus said, when he had called the people, to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whosoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, he said. He said, for whatever desires to save his life will lose it, but whosoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. That's pretty powerful. That's 36, right? Let's go. 37. Oh, I did. How about 38? There you go. For whosoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. You see, he didn't say take up your portfolio this morning. He didn't say take up your business. Take up your talents. Today's Christians, they want to hear sermons on health and wealth and how to better ourselves and how to be so successful in the world today. Psalms 104.4 says this, who makes his angel spirits, his ministers, a flame of fire. You see, really what God cares about is that we put our hands to the plow. Put our mouth into action. 
our feet into action and do what Jesus has called us to do. Jesus pulled his disciples together and he said, I'm about to leave this place. And I put the responsibility on you. So you may not have looked at it this way before, but you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. You may say, well, I'm a disciple of Pastor Blake. And yes, that is the case. We are all disciples of Pastor Blake. But he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Because Jesus Christ, he left that, that order and he said to, to, to all his disciples, he says, you will have a responsibility from this moment forward. And it's a big responsibility. And we need to understand the responsibility. You know, there's a couple things I'm going to leave you with before this altar call. We're a church planting church. We don't get away from that. We're raising up men and women to pastor, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not everyone is called to pastor church. And let me just give you a, a, a hint of, 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 of a revelation. You better know you're called to pastor. I said you better know you're called to pastor church. Don't just do it because you want the title. Oh, I want the experience of going out and pastoring the church. Because I promise you this, the devil's real. Well, I got this little sin in my life. I, I got this little issue going on back here, but I'm, I'm going to go pastor church. Woo, the whole world's going to call me pastor. Believe me, the title, it's at times painful. Now, don't get me wrong. What a pride and joy we have to be pastors to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ, to love those. You know, when I say, when someone says pastor, that means, you know, they look to me as a person of respect and they need help. You know, the Lord called you to pastor your family. I tell every man I talk to, well, you know what? You're the pastor in your home. Well, I'm not no pastor. <laughs> You're the pastor of your home. We're called to do that. Number two, evangelism. First thing I asked John and Ceci this morning, how many youth showed up yesterday? She said four or five. I've seen, I see more than four or five. I see four right young people, three at least, young, I don't know who's four, five. Good night. I'm just going to ask you, where were you? Oh, you were there. I know. They were all there. I'm just saying. What, one thing about me is you get, you get real right here. If I'm out of line, Pastor Blake will correct me. I promise you that. But I'm just going to say, my own kids. I'm, we, we were moving. We had a little bit of an excuse, and they all smelled like dirty diapers. I know. I get it. But there was a youth program. There was a church that needed the voice, the feet, souls to be saved. We carry the burden for that church. We carry the burden for Pastor Kirk. We're carrying that burden. Why? Because we're a team. Evangelism is so real. It's so important. Number three, the Holy Ghost preaching. The anointing of the Holy Ghost as we minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. Teaching informs the mind. But let me tell you what preaching does. Preaching challenges the heart. It convicts. 
It will challenge you to do more than you want to do. I can sit and listen to a preacher on television or the radio all day long, and half the time it makes me just want to puke. But don't get me wrong. There's a lot of good ones out there. But when I'm preached to, oh, I got a whooping. I got a whooping. It's like being in a good fight. You know, anybody that's a fighter, you know you like to get hit. You're not much of a fighter if you don't like to get hit. I'm just going to tell you that right now. I love to get hit first. I do. I just love it. It just feels good. It gets me going and do it again. Do it again. Do it again. And boom, before you know it, it's over. That's what it's like. That's exactly what it's like. Holy Ghost preaching puts me down. It lights me up. Number four, living a holy life. Live a holy life. You want to be a battler and a builder? You want to be that person that says the battle is real? Uh-huh. You live a holy life. You'll watch and see. You'll be, you'll be dancing in the shower. You'll be building the temple. You'll be building them walls back up. You'll be creating a, a new foundation for your home and your family. God will begin to do great and mighty things in your life. And I'm going to tell you something. Every single one of us in this place can be a builder and you can be a battler. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this place this morning, in reverence to the Lord, we're going to pray today. God is so good. Praise the Lord. 1 Timothy 6, 12. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. To which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. If there's one thing I could say to you this morning, it's be real with yourself. Be real with yourself. You know, Nehemiah, when he felt that tug to rebuild it wasn't just because he had a desire. It was because he was in a place to hear God's voice. And I want to ask you this morning, are you in a place to hear God's voice? Is your walk with God in a place where you can hear the tugging of the Holy Spirit pulling at you? Because I got news for you, if you can sit in a service like this and not feel any presence of God, not feel any conviction in your life, and have sin in your life and not even feel it, then you need to question yourself. Are you alive? Because the presence of God is here. His anointing is in this place today. And God is saying, I want to call you. I, I want to use you to do great and mighty things for the kingdom of God. And you might have excuse after excuse that says you're not worthy. You can't do this because everyone in the world has told you that you'll never amount to anything. But I got news for you. Our God says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And he used great men of God to speak into our lives, to encourage us, to strengthen us, and to get us to a place and a point in our life where we can do whatever he asks of us. Before we go any farther this morning, all over this place, front to back, 
side to side. You're here today. You say, Pastor, I'm not saved. I'm not right with God. And I want to be saved. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hand up. Say, Pastor, please pray for me. Put your hand up. Put it up. Put it right back down. I promise not to embarrass you. I see these hands. How many more? How many more? Praise God. I see these hands. Listen, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Put it up. Put it right back down. I want to pray for you this morning. And God's going to change your life. This is going to be the most amazing day of your life. You'll never forget this moment ever again. If it's sincere. How many more? Quickly, how many more? I feel the Holy Ghost tugging at you. I can, I can sense it. There's a tugging spirit in this place. Don't hold back. Don't, 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 don't let it pass you by. How many more? One more time. You're here today. You say, I'm not right with God, and I want to be right with him today. Just put your hand up. Praise God. I've seen that hand. I've seen it. Yes. If you lifted your hand up this morning, I want you to just look at me. Did you mean that? You meant that down here? Did you mean that? Praise God. I know you did. You meant that. There was one more over here. You meant that, didn't you? If I could get you to do one more thing, I want to pray for you. I, I personally want to pray with you. Can you just come down here? Just come on down here. I want to pray with you. Amen. Stand right here. Yeah. You can face me. You can face me. I want to pray for you. I want to tell you a little story. My mama, I've been in this church for 40 years in our fellowship. My mother was our senior pastor's financial secretary for 40 years since, since she got saved. But the day she came into the church, she walked in that church, a wretched old sinner, a drug addict, an alcoholic, and everything bad behind that. We all know, every one of us in this place, you all can stand to your feet. We all know everything that comes along with that. My mother did not live a, she lived a wicked life. Most precious person on the face of the earth. You'll meet my mother at the wedding. If you see her, she's only four foot ten, so you might not see her. But let me tell you something. She was wild. My mother could whoop ten guys all by herself. Crazy woman. She walked in that church, walked through those doors, and she kicked me and my brother out, and she said, you tell those told the ushers, you tell those boys they're not allowed in here. And those ushers kept us at the front door. She said, they're going to rob this church if you let them in here. And they kept us outside those doors. My mother gave her life to Jesus. I heard a bunch of singing just like this. Singing. Women singing and men singing and people crying. I couldn't take it anymore. I had to climb up to the, to the wall of the church and look through the window. And as I looked through that window, I seen my mother at the altar weeping. I didn't see anybody else. I, there was tons of people at the altar, but I saw nothing but my mother at that altar weeping. And that pastor looked at my mama, and he said to her, after she gave her life to Jesus, she prayed the prayer, we're about to pray. And he looked up at her, and he said, he said, young lady, he said, don't go back to that sin. He said, you need to tell everybody that you know that you got saved. And when you tell them you got saved, he says, God has the rest. Your sins will be washed white as snow. They'll be thrown as far as the east is from the west. You'll never remember it again. He said, I'll never bring them up. They'll be forgotten forever. 
And I'm telling you something, for 40 years, going on 41, it, it has been amazing. My mother is still saved today. And because of that, I'm, I'm saved. You have no idea the future that God has for you and your families. You'll say, well, I'm afraid to lose everything. Listen, you can't lose anything in this world without gaining who God or what God has for you. God already has it for you. His word says it is yours. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to pray. Church, please help me pray. Repeat this prayer after us. We're going to all pray together. Say, Heavenly Father, I invite you into my heart to be my personal Savior, to be my Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive me and make me new. Take this heart that is stony and give me a new heart of love. Change my life. Give me strength to make this commitment. I turn away from my sin today and I will look to you from this day forward. I will serve you to the best of my ability, but I need your help. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's just give the Lord praise. Stay right here for a second. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, glory to God. God is so good. You know, I will tell you this. This woman right here, it's Ellie, right? She's a woman of her word. I'm not trying to embarrass you. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.